0: Welcome to Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. This is session 161, part two of our Scanner Radio Crash Course. Today's podcast is sponsored by a brand new training course the ultimate beginner's guide to software defined radios. Everything you need to know to get started with SDR in an afternoon. Our simple step by step course will show you how to set up a brand new SDR, install the drivers on your computer, and have you listening to local stations in just a couple of hours. This free course is available at courses.scannerschool.com. And also by our upcoming free webinar, the 2021 Scanner Radio Crash Course, How to Get Started and Up to Speed on Scanning for 2021. This free webinar will be held at 8 p.m. Eastern U.S. Time on January 26th, 2021. You can register or catch the replay, if you've missed the live webinar, at scannerschool.com slash 2021. All notes from today's podcast we found on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 161. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters, Patreon is a month-to-month sponsor of the platform where we have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com slash Patreon or www.scannerschool.com slash support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are... Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Ed Walsh, Eddie Kaye, Glenn Bryden, Guy Lee, James Felling, James Peruta, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, Jim Heinrich, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Mark Beebe, Michael Kroger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Richard Armstrong, Robert Kastner, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Tim Mazza, Todd Glendie, and William R. Can. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to the Scanner School. A podcast dedicated to the Scanner Radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. So welcome back to Scanner School. This podcast is always here to teach you everything you need to know about the Scanner Radio hobby. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. Now again, today's podcast is sponsored by our Patreon supporters. I want to thank you all for our continued support. And also by my other online company, East Coast Pagers, your emergency alerting specialist, eastcoastpagers.com. If this is your first week joining us for class or you're a weekly listener, welcome back to the podcast. This is part two of a three-part series on how to get set up for the scanner radio hobby in 2021. So if you're brand new to scanning or returning after a long hiatus, or maybe you just want to brush up on a few key topics These sessions are for you, but not only are we going to do this on the podcast, we're also going to do our very first live workshop where we're going to go over all of this real time with visual examples, little bits of movie clips, hopefully some live whiteboards type of stuff, and of course, questions being answered during the workshop. There's a time change if you listen to last week, so I had to change the time on this one. So the workshop will still be held on Tuesday, January 26, 2021, but it's going to be 8 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. Again, if you've missed the live workshop, you can still catch a replay. This replay will always exist. So to register for free or to catch the replay, again, visit ScannerSchool.com/. 2021 all right so part two we're going to talk about trunking and digital types of trunking here this is a fun one this is a real exciting part of the scanner radio hobby last week we went through all the basics right am fm conventional all all the stuff that you need to know in order to get into the hobby the trunking stuff honestly i mean it it confused me when i first got started in trunking but A lot of people today, they still have the same issue. Now, if you are kind of confused how trunking works, it's not that difficult, okay? Really, what trunking means is that multiple users share pooled frequencies. That's all it is, okay? You have a certain number of frequencies, and a lot of people can use them. They're allocated on an as-needed basis. How is this done? Well, there are groups of users, And these are your talk groups, okay? So think about a group being your local police department dispatch. Then another group would be your fire department dispatch. And another group would be the police department tactical channels. Another group would be the fire department tactical channels, right? Then you probably have a group for MedCom and OEM and the water district and maybe even the county bus system, right? These are all groups, Each one of these groups could be assigned to a talk group, okay? So, with most trunk systems, not all, we're going to break these apart later on. But just for simple sake here, to explain how this works, imagine the control channel on the trunk system being a conductor in an orchestra or a traffic cop at an intersection, okay? Or, for those of you who enjoy aviation, air traffic control, okay? no different the control channel basically tells what talk groups what users to go on which frequency that's what their jobs are so when a user keys up their radio the radio quickly says hey i need a talk group the control channel says good you can go to this frequency x Hey, by the way, everybody that's a member of this talk group go to frequency X. Everybody's radio goes to that frequency who's part of that talk group. Now, the original unit still hasn't dekeyed his microphone yet. That's how fast this happens. They'll get the OK to transmit or the OK to talk beep on their radio. And they will say, hey, units out in the field, we have a call for a cat stuck in a tree at 123 Maple Street. They'll de-key the microphone. And with that, all of the users of that talk group go back to the control channel, waiting for the next bit of instructions. Well, a user out in the field who's around the block will key up their radio. Again, he presses down the PTT button or the push to talk button, and his radio says, hey, control channel, I need a voice channel. The control channel says, okay, go to channel Y. Hey, by the way, everybody who's a member of this talk group, you also go to Channel Y. Everybody goes to Channel Y, and the user then keys up and says, Okay, this is Unit 456. I'm responding to 123 Maple Street. He dekeys keys the microphone. Everybody goes back to the control channel. While this is all going on, though, you've got the fire department and the buses and water districts and everybody else. They're also keying up the radio at the same time. And the orchestrator, the control channel, the traffic cop, right? He's saying, you go to channel X, you go to channel Y, you go to channel A, you go to channel C, you go to channel D, you go to channel B. And he's moving everybody around on these channels, okay? Eventually, right, if everybody's trying to keep it at the same time, a busy tone will go out. But these systems are built so that majority of the time, there's not an overload, right? Traffic is analyzed to see how many people want to use it at the same time. The beauty of a trunk system is that, again, the resources are shared, right? So whereas a conventional frequency is licensed to a single department, if you're not using that frequency, right, you still own that. It's your resource. Nobody else can use it who's not licensed for it. It's a dead frequency until you use it again. It's a tied-up resource. What happens when you have all of these departments and all of these users that want to get licensed? Well, eventually, you run out of spectrum, which is what's happening here on Long Island. And if you had trunk systems, more trunk systems in play, you can get more users on these shared resources. Okay? So it allows basically counties, states, jurisdictions to license up a smaller number of frequencies that they would have needed if they needed everybody assigned frequencies. Okay? So this is why we use trunk systems. It's a better use or reuse of the RF resources that are available to us. Now, again, if a trunk system breaks, they will go into fail-safe mode, right? There's ways around these things. But all in all, This is why we use trunking and how it works. Now, we've got some common types of trunking. We'll go through a couple of them right off the gate here. These are all different animals here. I mean, the trunking, right, is, is a basic form of using radios. But it's how you actually use them that's different. So we've got EDACs. We've got Motorola Type 1, Type 2. Motorola P25, okay, Project 25. You've got DMR, Capacity Plus, Connect Plus, Capacity Max, or is it Connect Max? I forget now. You've got LTR and several different flavors of LTR. You've got NXDN, right? Tetra. I think Tetra's trunking. But my point is, oh, yeah, and MAcom. Let's not forget about the one we can never listen to, MAcom. So there's different kinds of trunking protocols that are out there. Now, again, in our live workshop, again, ScannerSchool.com slash Session 2021, I will have a live video running right about now that's showing a real trunk system operating and how we can visually see all the information on the trunk system. So, again, I recommend checking out our free live workshop that goes along with this podcast. So let's talk about the different kinds of analog Trunk system. Again, these are pretty much end of life at this point, but we still need to talk about them because they're still out there and it's always good to know the basics. So we've got EDAX, which is Enhanced Digital Access Communications System. Again, several flavors of EDAX. EDAX Standard or Wide, which has a 9600-baud control channel. EDAX Narrow, which has a 4800-baud control channel. EDAX Standard and Wide has got a 25 kilohertz wide carrier narrow it's got a 12 and a half that's why ones were regular wide and narrow because of the bandwidth we talked about narrow band last week right you've got edax scat which is single channel autonomous trunking i don't know who named this one but okay whatever so basically on this one you operate on one frequency and alternate between control channel and voice channel you've got edax network which is basically linking several edax sites or systems together with an EDAC system, what you have to remember is you need to program in your channels in a logical channel numbering or LCN. Okay. The system doesn't know where each channel is frequency wise. So you got to program in, you know, channels one, two, three, four, five. They're physical RF frequencies in there. The system basically says go to channel one, go to channel two, go to channel three there's no mapping done okay this is why it's important when you program your radios you know the lcn you could have up to 24 logical channel numbers in a site or a system talk groups are broken down basically as agency fleet subfleet it's an afs format that's where we get the name afs from agency fleet subfleet a typical talk group looks like a2- two- by a three, a two-by-three number. So, example, 06-141 would be a typical or a good example of a talk group here. Now, a little trick here. If the system administrator did a really decent job of setting up your systems, every agency would basically be broken down. So, you'd have police, say, for 01, fire 02, district attorney 03, right, OEM 04, that's not the way our local EDAC system was set up. But what ends up happening is that if you took your UDIN scanner and you only put in the agency into the programmed talk groups, say an example here at 06, the scanner would monitor anything that started with a 06 in its scan list, which saves you on having a program 06, and 06, whatever the last one is you wanted to listen to. So it's a really neat little way of programming a scanner if the agencies you're listening to were set up properly. Unfortunately, out here, nobody followed that rule. Okay, Motorola trunk systems. What's really cool about Motorola trunk systems is that you don't have to put every single frequency into your scanner. All you need is the control channel and the alternative control channels. Because This is because there's a determined channel plan in play when it comes to programming up Motorola trunk systems. We'll talk about rebanding in a bit. This is why rebanding was such a pain in the neck when it came to Motorola systems and why you still need to put the Motorola band plan in for rebanding. Basically though, the system was set in stone. There was no changes on the horizon. So when all these scanner manufacturers built their scanners and there was no way of updating the firmware on the scanner, well guess what would happen? All of a sudden rebanding happens, again we'll talk about this later on, things don't work well anymore. So the way Motorola would work would say, hey, go to channel 5, go to channel 10, go to channel 15. The scanner would know where all of these channels were based on the predetermined band plan. Okay. Now, again, you may need the band plans to be programmed in for UHF channels or splinter systems and definitely for reband systems as well. So what kind of trunk systems do we have in a Motorola analog world? Well, we've got type 1. We've got type 2, and type 2 is broken down to type 2i hybrid, type 2 smart net, type 2 smart zone, type 2 smart zone army link, and type 2 VOCs. So really quick, let's break them down because, again, it's good to know where things come from. A type 1 system, the radios would transmit their ID, their fleet info, and their subfleet information. Radios would also transmit their own affiliation. That's a lot of overhead every time they would transmit. Again, remember, radios would transmit their ID, their subfleet info, their fleet info, and their own affiliation. This is before they got granted access, right, to be able to get the channel they want to use. When you programmed up a Motorola Type One system, you also need to know the Type One fleet map when you program your scanner. And again, just like in the EDAX world. Type 1 systems had a typical talk group of, say, it was fleet, subfleet, So it would be like 100-20 would be a talk group. Now, in a Type 2 world, what happens is that when a radio keys up, it just gives its radio ID. The controller knows, based on the radio ID, that it's okay for that radio to transmit on the talk group it wants to transmit on. It's smart enough to know that back end. So now instead of all that information on the preamble, the radio goes, hey, this is who I am. Boom. System says, okay, good, you can talk here. So type 2 smart net, right, is APCO 16 compliance, APCO P16 compliant. Not to be confused with P25, but it's the same. It's an a type of agreed protocol to use. You have up to 28 frequencies, up to 65,534 radios, up to 4,095 talk groups. Now, what's really cool is the way the talk groups are defined in these systems. Because you had to use status bits, and these are really cool. And we'll talk about how this works going on in a little bit. Now, type 2 smart zones were network smart net systems, either via microwave or other type of backhaul. And sites may only transmit in the area the radio is affiliated, in, and not the entire network. And it's limited to 64 sites. So this is how you basically, you grew or interconnected multiple trunking systems together. A Type 2 Smart Zone OmniLink would actually be up to four Smart Zone systems, up to 192 sites to be linked. Now, again, this is used for larger coverage areas, thinking of statewide on this one. Finally, you've got Motorola Type 2 VOC, which is a voice-on control setup. It's a bare system. It's a fill-in-the-gap type of system. Control channels can become a voice channel in this one. So, again, like we said, with Type 2, Radios only transmit their radio ID. The system database knows the radio's affiliation status. There's no limitations to how many radios can be on a talk group where type 1 did have a limitation. What's really cool here is talk groups are divisible by 16 because of their status bit functions. And again, if you're watching this on our live webinar, I will actually have a chart up that breaks down all of the status bits. But what you need to know is there are 16 status bits that can be added into a talk group. Talk groups in our scanners are normally programmed in decimal format, but commercial radios will use a hexadecimal format. This is why in radio reference, you see both decimal and hex in the trunking pages for these uh, trunk systems. So a status bit, what's a status bit? Well, the status bit is a plus numerical, basically, on a talk group ID. So the status bit, say, for emergency is 2, That would mean that if your talk group was 848 and you keyed it with an emergency, that would add a plus 2 to your talk group. Now, all of a sudden, you're transmitting on talk group 850. Again, 848 plus 2 for your status bit is 850. So when we program up our scanners, this little program note here, ignore the status bit. Okay, this is where you always get that talk group when they transmit within a status bit. However, if you actually want to program in the status bits and you want to have an emergency one and set up, say, talk group 850, you could type in, you know, sheriff emergency, then your radio would show you that that's how they would keynote that status bit, which is also pretty cool to do as well. So again, status bits are why talk groups are divisible by 16, because there is basically status bit of zero through 15. And that's how the talk groups were spaced on a Type 2 system. Okay, let's talk LTR. LTR stands for Logical Trunked Radios. Primarily, this is used by businesses. And frequencies are stored in scanners, again, like EDAX, in logical channel numbers. Okay, you need to know where each frequency belongs in the system. Systems use a home, a go to, and free channels. And talk groups on LTR are typically set up as an A hh format where a is there typically zero or one hh is the logical channel number of your home channel and then the ggg is your user's group number so so a typical talk group could be say zero one zero one dash one two three for channel one is my home channel and my talk group is one two three You've got a couple different kinds of LTR systems. Now, in the scanner radio world, we only are really interested in LTR standard because that's all we could ever have listened to with our scanner, okay? There's no control channel on an LTR standard system. You get a heartbeat, basically. The control data is sent as inaudible data, subaudible data, rather, and is a maximum of 20 channels per system. Now, LTR passport, you need at least three frequencies. There's a home channel, a roaming channel, and a registered channel. LTR standard and passports is another type of protocol. Again, it's a hybrid system that contains both standard and passport talk groups. You've got LTR Multinet, which is another APCO 16 compliant type of trunking, but on the LTR network. And then you've got LTR Net, which is a standard system. All right. Before we go into a break, because I know we're getting kind of long here, I want to jump into digital types of trunk systems, and then we'll come back after this. Again, I wanted to put a break in here, but I think we're gonna keep on going just because we're rolling on this. So there's digital types of trunk systems as well, right? We've got MACOM Open Sky, which is a we can't listen to it on scanners, so let's just leave that one alone. You've got Motorola ABCO 25 or P25. Today's digital P25 scanners can track this. At least most of them in a phase one type of setup. Okay, we got phase two. We'll talk about that after the break. You've got Moto Turbo. Again, this is DMR, right? One of the flavors of DMR. Can be scanned by many of today's scanners. Something with a paid upgrade. You've got Tetra. Again, big in the UK. Cannot be scanned by today's scanners. SDRs, though, another story. Okay, that's the cool thing. So, first of all, we've got some hybrid trunk systems. Okay, these are analog trunking systems with digital talk groups on top of them. So, again, think about your APCO P16 with a common P25 air interface, that means you can have P25 talk groups on a analog system. So an Astro IMBE, right? It's Motorola world uses a 3600 board control channel, right? This is your smart net, smart zone type of setup, but you can have digital talk groups on these systems. Older radios like the uh, BC250D, the 785D, the 796D, right? They can all monitor the digital talk groups on these systems with the exception of the 796D, right? As long as they're not rebanded. But again, you get no moot point in here because I think everything's pretty much rebanded. Whereas a P25 system, instead of using a 3600 board control channel, P25 uses 9600 board control channels. And the system must only contain digital talk groups. There's absolutely no analog whatsoever on a P25 trunk system. Now AEGIS was an earlier digital modulation used over the standard EDAX system. was an APCO P25 compliant. It will not communicate with EDAX Pro Voice. Now again, Pro Voice is not APCO P25 compliant either. However, it uses the same vocoder as P25. So with all of that said, we are kind of through the analog and digital types of trunking or at least a breakdown of that. Again, if you're watching our free upcoming webinar, we'll have some video and graphics to help you understand all this as well. So let's take a quick break here and recharge. And we'll come back on the other side of the break with some P25 trunking, the phase one, phase two, and even DMR and NXDN and all that other fun stuff. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't Take any time or any extra money on your part. If you go to scannerschool.com/support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases, and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealers serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one fee department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every scanner reader user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out of the box scanner. And with today's pagers having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scanless, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels. And out of the box it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger the g2s to g5s they do p25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice paging on conventional np25 oh and they're upgradable too to dmr type one and type two they are more rugged than today's consumer based scanners and with a pager like a swiss phone s you won't even realize you're wearing one it'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood so again eastcoastpagers.com, or contact me directly, Phil, at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it, or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pyoware, or even just make some changes and you don't understand how the system and the equipment works? The podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely, and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com consulting for your Scanner Radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of Scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and 2A radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com. Dot com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. Okay, if I haven't lost you yet, <laughs> we're doing good. All right, so P25 trunking. We've got two different things going on here, phase one and phase two, okay? I'm going to break this down for you so it's super, super easy for you. Phase one trunking operates on a 12.5 kilohertz signal continuous four-level FM, that's C4FM, okay? It's basically a 4,800-baud or two bits per symbol, you'll need 9,600-baud bits per second through the channel, okay? All right, you're lost, whatever. I get it at this point, but here we are here. You are working, as you remember what we said last week, FDMA, TDMA, well, phase one is FDMA. When I key up the radio, I basically own that frequency, Okay, nobody else can use it while I am using this frequency. Okay. Whereas in phase two, what happens is now you've broken that frequency in half over time. Okay. So you have now taken a single frequency and split it into two slots or two time slots, and it becomes a TDMA and FDMA over CQPSK modulation schemes. Okay, so this uses the AMBE plus two vocoder for those of you that really want to know about it. And phase two plays a role in interoperability as well. You, everything can fall back and everything else like that. But phase two is important, again, because it allows you to have more resources on the system. So if you only have five voice frequencies, now all of a sudden you have 10 because everything is time divided by two. Okay, So P25 trunking variations, we have a couple that we can talk about here. So we can have single channel P25 where systems only use one frequency. Now again, this is kind of like conventional P25 to be honest with you because the radio transmits a knack in a talk group and then all the other users who want to talk to them must also have a matching knack in a talk group. There's no control channel, okay? User just keys up and everybody who's got the radio program the same way can hear them. Again, if multiple users try at the same time, you could actually have clashing or or intermod problems. With P25 multi-site trunking, you have an active control channel. Okay, you only need to program in again the control channels in your scanner because with the P25 protocol, that information is transmitted over the air. It says, "Hey, this is this is who I am, and these are my neighboring sites." So the users or the the end users can have their radios basically programmed over the air because they know where to go if they ever lose coverage, which is really cool as part of the P25 standard, which means you can have multiple sites, transmitter locations here, linked together in simulcast or independent use, okay, where the simulcast, all the sites transmit the same thing at the same time. If they're not simulcast, they will have different frequencies in use. Sites can be broken down into zones, north zone and south zone. And again, talk groups are only rebroadcasted on the sites, the transmitter locations rather, where you actually have affiliated radios. So if I'm on a north system and I transmit there, the only way that my talk group will be on a south site is if a have another radio down there that has affiliated with the system and needs to hear that talk group. If all the radios that are using a trunk system or using a talk group rather are on the north site, unless it's hard coded in the in the system to rebroadcast that talk group on the south site, it will never be transmitted there. That's how you get even better reuse of the resources. So when you program your scanners, remember that. Okay, that's why sometimes we go, my my radio's been very quiet lately. Well, how come I'm not hearing anything? It's because that talk group isn't available on the other site you may be listening to. All right, let's roll over to DMR. DMR is a tier three when it comes to trunking. Now, again, we talked about tier one, which was kind of like the FRS radios here in the United States. Tier two allowed you to then use higher power and repeaters. Well, tier three is basically licensed trunking radio. It covers from 66 megahertz to 960 megahertz in the European spectrum, right? Again, because DMR is an ETSI type of regulated format i guess you can say again DMR uses two slot TDMA it offers advanced voice featureings short messaging and a lot of other cool stuff now again DMR you need to know your logical channel numbering in your scanner and typically the LCN pairs are the same frequency for example LCN 1 and 2 are the same 3 and 4 etc 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 DMR comes in three main flavors, Capacity Plus, Connect Plus, and Capacity Max. Capacity Plus trunking can be single site or multiple link sites. We have up to 15 linked sites, 12 repeaters per site. Okay. They used a rest channel instead of a dedicated control channel. And will send a burst or a heartbeat every few seconds. That's how you kind of know you're listening to a Capacity Plus system because you can hear bzz, bzz, right? The, the data burst comes and, and, and drops and keys it real quick and drops. Okay. You need to know your LCN with programming. And again, the important part here too, is there's a rest channel, right? That has the, the, the heartbeat or the burst and the rest channel will move up the system as a user comes on and uses that rest channel as a voice channel. Okay. Connect plus trunking is a multi-site network up to 250 sites with 15 repeaters per site. They have fixed control channels, support for GPS, text messaging, man down alerting, for example. Just like P25, you've got dynamic site assignments on the talk groups on Connect Plus Trunking. So only if radios are affiliated with that trunk location, that site, that transmitter, will that talk group be active on there. That's one thing to remember, okay? So you're not going to listen to something clear across the state on a Connect Plus Trunking system, if nobody from that talk group is where you are monitoring. This setup has been discontinued by Motorola and is replaced by Motor Turbo, Turbo Capacity Max. Now, Capacity Max Trunking, this is a fully compliant DMR tier three standard. Multi-site networks, up to 250 link sites, up to 15 repeaters per site. Dedicated control channel and even a secondary control channel may be added if you max out the primary control channel. Imagine having so much data going out over a network, you need two control channels. Well, this gives you the ability to do just that. Now, what do you need to know when you program in DMR trunking? Well, it doesn't matter to your scanner whether or not it's Capacity Plus, Capacity Max, or Connect Plus. You just got to tell it it's DMR, right? You do have to tell it, though, the logical channel numberings. And, of course, you've got to put in the talk groups that you want to monitor. DMR, again, these, all these trunk systems, they're all just built upon one another. If you understand what I told you at the beginning, right, all this other stuff is just fluff on how things work. All right. Finally, we're going to talk about NXDN. There's two flavors here. We're going to go over these really quickly. NXDN Type-C Trunking is Dedicated Control Channel. That's what you got to remember. Type-C Control Channel. It could be a single-site or multi-site setup. 6.25 kilohertz or 12.5 kilohertz fdma next edge is kenwood's version of trunking it's type c 6.25 or 12.5 kilohertz that we just said idaz is icom's version idaz type c is 6.25 kilohertz only so you now know if you have a trunking setup that you're watching it's NXTN, and it's 12.5 kilohertz You know it's an Edge system. Okay, Type-D NXDN has no dedicated control channel. Again, single multi-site setup, but again, only 6.25 kilohertz FDMA. All channels can be a voice channel in Type-D trunking. All right, if you're still with me here, two topics to go, rebanding and simulcast. Rebanding basically came about because Nextel, if you remember those, They purchased the ESMR frequencies, which were below the public safety bands. And then above the public safety bands was cellular phones. So there was an issue with the Nextel and interference and other nonsense stuff here, which we won't really get into here. But long story short on this one, they swapped spectrum. Public safety moved down 15 megahertz. Nextel, which became Sprint, which became T-Mobile, moved up 15 megahertz. Right. Remember before when we said that things were hard-coded in the scanners with Motorola? Right. Nobody ever thought that the frequencies would ever change. This is why you have to put custom band plans in Type 2 Motorola systems. You have to tell the scanner that, hey, channel 440 isn't here anymore. This is where it is now. And this is all done via a channel plan. Basically, you put in the lower channel and the upper channel and the step sizes and the starting channel. And that's how you remap out where all these frequencies are in the Motorola world. Because remember, Motorola Type 2 basically said, this is my hard coding. I know where all these frequencies are based off the channel numbers. Okay? LTR and EDACS were easy to reband because you needed the LCNs. You just put the new LCNs in. That's all you did. You reprogrammed the channels in your scanner. And it worked. Remember, P25... Everything's broadcast over the air as part of the technology. So all that information, all that data, all the rebanding information is just sent out over the air. There's no need to worry about how to set up stuff in your scanner because the part of the P25 uh, protocol is to tell this the radio what to do. That's what makes it interoperable. In a nutshell, that's rebanding. Pretty simple. And also another topic that's very simple, though, that gets a lot of people worked up is simulcast, okay? Simulcast is when you have multiple transmitter locations keying up at the same time and broadcasting the same information over the same frequencies, okay? Here's one thing that we need to keep in mind. When we look on radio reference and we look at a trunk system, it says sites, or maybe it says east simulcast, west simulcast, north simulcast, south simulcast. We need to remember that these are the names of networked transmitters, okay? So, you don't have just one transmitter site or transmitter location keying up. A site in radio reference is a network of transmitter locations. So, an east simulcast site might have 10 transmitter locations, Okay, we got to be very careful when we talk about these. I can't say transmitter sites because that will confuse people. It's physical transmitter locations. And maybe your west site, simulcast site, has got 15 transmitter locations. Okay, I'm, I'm stressing out my words here. What ends up happening, though, is that when you have multiple transmitter locations keying up at the same time with the same information, you're talking about high-speed data, zeros and ones that are going through free space, the air. Depending on where the user, the recipient, the receiver is physically located, you could have propagation delays, timing delays. You could have reflections off of buildings, okay? And as these different or same signals come into your receiver, but out of phase, out of time, in different spots than the timing in the scanner expects it to be, all of a sudden, you've got an echo going on or the I like to say it's the days of analog TV where you'd watch a football game or a news broadcast and not only would you see the, the game but you'd see a, a ghosted image of the game slightly off center and off to the side or the guy at the news desk would be sitting there twice, right? One in front of the other. Well when you have zeros and ones, the scanner can't put it back together again because zeros and ones belong to certain spots. Now instead of getting zero, one zero one zero one, you're getting zero zero one one zero zero one one zero one 0 0, zero 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 one, right? Things aren't aligning up properly. The scanner says, I can't put this data back together again. I have too many errors here, right? I can't make heads and tails of this. This is why simulcast is an issue for many scanners. This is why we say, in order to get around simulcast, you have to eliminate all of the other sites and set your scanner up so that it monitors one site as best as possible. This is why we say, get off the outside antenna, get a Yagi antenna and point it towards one site, maybe even the furthest site. Okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing it again. Not site transmitter location. You see how easy it is to to think transmitter site. Means the location of a transmitter, but it's actually the actual physical transmitter. Because in radio reference, again, a site is the group of transmitter locations. Okay, be very careful about how we say these things. So you have to limit the transmitter locations when you deal with simulcast. I apologize for saying it wrong. It's a very bad habit because, again, my nine to five, I work with cell sites. <laughs> so getting back to that, with a simulcast network, Multiple transmitter locations are networked together to transmit at the same time, which make up a site. Hopefully that clears it up for you. So, that's why we use Yagi antennas, attenuators, into our only antennas. This is also why radios like the SDS-100, SDS-200, or even your SDR radio, again, shameless plug, check out the SDS free training course at courses.scannerschool.com, will help you with simul cast environments because they look at the iq data okay the i and the q are different it's not just taking the signal in zeros and ones over the air things end up in certain planes in digital world and we're not going to get into that because now i really make you want to crash into a tree if you're listening while driving or if you're out for a walk or a jog you'll put the left foot across over the right foot and you know i don't want to be responsible for you getting hurt That's all you got to know here, right? So Simulcast, yes, is a pain in the neck. Thankfully, we have radios like the STS-100, the 200, and the SDRs that will help us get around Simulcast. Now, another shameless plug, the Unication Pagers work like gangbusters in Simulcast world. And if you want a Unication Pager, please reach out to me. I would be more than happy to help you answer questions about the Unication product. I am a dealer and... I have got a ton of positive feedback on how well these pages work. All right, guys. This podcast has pretty much gone long enough. Again, this is why we broke it down to three parts. You can download the session notes by going to scannerschool.com slash session 161. Please share this podcast with people that you think will benefit from it, and please share our free course. Again, I'm leaving it up to you to help your fellow Scanner Radio users Please share this on websites and forums and Facebook groups. Scannerschool.com slash session 2021. That's where the free webinar is going to be. My goal is to help as many people as possible get up to speed with scanning this year. Okay. We're still in the middle of a pandemic, unfortunately, right? This will help a lot of people figure this out, right? People remember, remember when you got started and you were lost, right? Let's, let's get more people Up to speed with the Scanner Radio hobby. Please share not only this podcast, but the free course with people. All right, guys. Again, subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe to us on YouTube also if you're listening to this podcast over on YouTube. If you enjoyed the podcast, let me know. Leave me a review. I'm Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. Again, next week is part three and also a webinar. I look forward to seeing you all scanningschool.com slash session 2021 73 everyone catch you all next week